Okay, as the uh, children head their way, we are going to be in Ephesians today, still in Ephesians, um, chapter 3. But before I begin, I want to just say how much I love you. I don't know you all, but I know a lot of your warm, smiley faces that I see Sunday after Sunday. And the Lord has just put a real love, I feel like, in my heart for you. And I feel like this is a very um, unique church, a unique fellowship. And I'm just grateful to be here today. I'm grateful uh, for this opportunity. And I just want to tell you right up front, I appreciate you. I love you. And I hope to get to know you all better uh, in the future as we move forward. So this morning, um, I didn't really know how I wanted to begin. Um, one thought was to you know, ask a question like, if Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, when I look around, how come so many Christians are miserable? Um, and so that may be how we begin this morning. You know, why are so many Christians apparently miserable? Why is there such a great struggle? And why, uh, within this struggle, are we not rejoicing as Paul says? You know, when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, you know, it's the abundant life that Jesus says that we are to have is not... Uh, equal to the American dream. And so often I feel like Christians think, hey, you know, if we just pray hard and read the Bible and do all these good things, uh, fake it till you make it, so to speak. Well, guess what? You're not going to make it. Um, Jesus didn't call us to fake it till we make it. He didn't call us to rely on our own strength, our own ways, our own wisdom. He did not call us to be our own little mini saviors after he has redeemed our souls. And so often we do tend to fall back into our own ways of um, trying to, you know, solve our own problems, um, work our own tensions and issues out. And as a result, you know, you end up with a lot of Christians that should be filled with uh, light and salt, but they aren't, and they're just as miserable or maybe even more so, or disillusioned or um, deceived than, uh, than lost uh, people in the world. So what I want to do t- this morning is look at what Paul says to the believers in Ephesus, and It's an interesting prayer. Paul actually um, prays, it's debated if he's praying for three things or four things, um, and different translations will say he's praying for a whole lot more things in this small little uh, passage of Scripture. But um, let's read first, uh, going with uh, chapter 3, verse uh, 16. So Paul begins the prayer here, that according to the riches of his glory, which is Christ, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now this is, I think... A very exciting and powerful passage of Scripture. He's not asking for these people to... He's not praying that they become saved. They already are believers. But he's really saying, you know, what's what's fueling your soul? What are you pouring into your body? What are you pouring into your inner person? And is Christ still within your heart? Not that the Lord leaves us, but it's almost like, you know, we have a few guys in here. I know Mike likes to shoot uh, guns. He's a, a Marine. And some guns, you can actually put the wrong ammo. It'll fit in there, but if you put it in there and then try to fire the trigger, it will jam up your gun. Wrong ammo in the wrong gun, it won't work. Similarly, You put diesel into a non-diesel engine, it may work a little bit, but it's eventually going to burn up the engine and you're going to dry out and you're going to have problems. Same with the engines that have to have the mix of the oil and the water, um, or not the water, the oil and the gas. And if you put water in, it's going to be ruined too. And so, you know, so so the question is, what are you filling your soul with? What are you filling your inner person with? You know, you could be filling it with lust, with greed, with covetousness. You could be filling it with joy, the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Or you could be filling it with just worldliness, um, you know, and a desire to get ahead, um, worldly ambition, and all kinds of things. But the Christian life, as Paul is telling us, is that we need the power of God to be strengthened within our... Um, I say you need strength for your soul. And your inner being is your soul. It's, it's the composite of all your emotions and thoughts and feelings, hopes and desires, even the secret sins that you are wrestling with, maybe you have confessed him, maybe you haven't fully repented, but he is praying that the people at Ephesus would be strengthened within, and that, that there within their soul, um, they would experience the power of God. So first and foremost, I say you got to have strength for your soul, or soul strength, um, then, as we go further in this um, verse 17, and he said, and th- this is the result. You know, he's praying that they would be strengthened with all the glorious riches that are in God, that they would be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, in your inner soul, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, think about this. These are believers. You know, we assume that, hey, we pray a prayer of salvation, we get saved, that Christ is dwelling within our heart. And he is, but how well can Christ dwell within us 
if we have all these other things dwelling within us. If we have greed or covetousness or lust or whatever it may be. Um, you know, as Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. Um, and so the scripture also, Paul tells us that, you know, don't you know that you yourselves are the temple of the living God? And so our bodies are the temple where Christ dwells. And, you know, he is Lord, and he wants to be Lord of all of us, not a portion of us. So, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. Okay, here he's praying for strength again. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So right here he's saying, the second point is, he's praying for strength for their mind. You know, the Lord says, you know, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So here he is, Paul is praying that the people would have a mental strength to be able to cognitively comprehend the rich vastness of God's love. And I want to just pause right here and just take a moment and pause about and think about how great the Lord loves you. His love for you is magnificent. It is, like, it is greater than this hurricane that's hitting the shores of North Carolina. It will engulf you. It will enrapture you. It will pull you under faster than any riptide in the ocean. His love is beyond our wildest thoughts and dreams. And yet, Paul is saying, I am praying that you will take the time to ponder, to have the mental capacity to comprehend the great depths and lengths of God's infinite love. And it's ultimately, this is, the, this is the power of the gospel, you know, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you, and we are to be filled with his love, and marked with his love, overcome by his love. His love should be an ongoing outpouring. As Jesus says, you know, you shall have rivers of living water welling up within you. And those are rivers of water that flood out the love of Christ. Um, so that's the, that's the mental strength. Strength for your mind. And then finally he's saying... Well, before we go there, I'm going to park it here and also look at so that Christ may... Well, we're going to, we're going to skip around on the, on the little piece of paper here, if you have this. Um, you know, what is prayer? I, I, I had the privilege of, of help uh, leading a men's Bible study maybe a month or so ago on a Thursday morning. And I went over, uh, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer, but, um, but I wanted to just go over a few little notes because, you know, Paul is saying we need to pray, pray, pray. 
And so this is just a little helpful tool that I have found helpful. Hopefully you will as well. And so I, I have on the, the bulletin, it says the gift of prayer. Sorry we don't have any slides up here for this specific thing, I don't believe. Um, but I take the word P, prayer. Uh, P, prayer is personal and as in Ben likes to always do, do things in threes. So I say, number one, uh, prayer is to be personal. It's to be purposeful and it's to be powerful. Um, so personable, purposeful, powerful. Um, when we pray, we pray to, a, to our Lord and Savior. And we pray with expectation that he will respond. He does hear us. He does care. Uh, as it says in um, John, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. Then I say R, prayer is relational. Prayer is not to be robotic. Um, you know, those who are married, if you got up every single day and said the exact same thing to your spouse, in the exact same way, at the exact same time, what kind of relationship would you have? And if we do that with our Lord and Savior, whether it's in our quiet time or, or whatever, then we're not really developing the relationship that should occur in prayer. Um, so our prayer should not be robotic. It should be relational. It should be reasonable in the sense that we should be using our mind to pray and our heart, we, not to be mindless, prayerful. Um, and then prayer is for the righteous. That's the three R's, you know. Unrighteous people simply usually don't pray unless they're praying to win the lottery or something. Um, but uh, we are a righteous people called to prayer. A, I say prayer needs to be authentic, not artificial or superficial. We need to pray from the heart. The Lord already knows your heart, so why not be authentic with that? Um, we need, then A again, is awareness. It's not only your needs, but also the needs of others. Uh, as it says in Philippians, Paul says, you know, you need to not only be concerned about your own affairs, but also the affairs of other people. We are to carry each other's burdens, and we are to carry those to the Lord in prayer. And then A for action. Prayer is not just a call for God to act, but it's a call for us to act. Um, and to act out living by faith in expectancy. And then finally with why, it's yielding. You know, as Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. Um, why again is yearning, not my desires, but your desire, O Lord. And then you, you are to pray. You, it is your responsibility. So that's just a little thing on prayer. Um, and Paul says, look, I'm praying for this to occur. I'm praying that you'd be strengthened in your inner being, in your soul, in the core of who you are, that you would be strengthened with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, many people probably have heard the the little saying, faith, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I trust in him. And um, that's a nice little thing to help you recall what faith is, because we, we do place our trust in him. But the, the beauty of here where he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, 
it's not that we just have the work of the Holy Spirit giving us power, but we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And just due to that alone, should, we should be joyful, rejoicing people. Um, not people defeated, but people who are on fire for the Lord, knowing that by faith, um, Christ dwells and reigns in our hearts, in our souls. And I say one thing I, I like to, to do is also, uh, I like to share that faith is often a, um, when we experience faith, we experience a new um, family, a family fellowship of friends. And that is, you know, that is what we are here at Trinity. We are a family fellowship of friends, and, and we are to be encouraging and engaging each other at the heart level. Also, uh, A, when we have faith in Christ, we have a new attitude. Attitude for activities and actions. Um, we are to set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. We are to renew our minds in the, the Lord. Um, I, we have a new identity for inner strength, um, a new identity and inner strength for intentional living. Uh, so that's my, my eye uh, for that. You know, our identity is not to be in our work or our children or our families or our sports or our activities or our hobbies or our golf game or whatever it may or may not be. Um, our college team, you know, go whoever yesterday or NFL team today. Our identity is to be in Christ and Christ alone. And find, uh, then T, um, truth that transforms us for thanksgiving. You know, we are, the scripture says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And the truth is to transform our lives. We are to have this abundant life that is in Christ. We are to have the fruit of the Spirit. And it's not something that, we're to model or to fake or to act like we have. Only the Spirit can do it through His power, His strength. Um, that leads to thankfulness. And then finally, H, uh, you know, in Ezekiel, it, it clearly sa says that, you know, I, I'm going to re remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a responsive heart. And so H, I say we have a, you know, a new heart of hope. Uh, for helping others and, and, and bringing about healing. This is um, aspects of what, you know, Paul is ultimately praying for this community, that they engage each other, that they be strengthened in their inner being, that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that they would be rooted and grounded in his love. They may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And then to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now let's think about that. How in the world do we know something that he says it surpasses knowledge? So what kind of knowledge is Paul referring to? Well, I think Paul is referring to here strength for your life. It is existential strength. It is experiential strength. It's, it's when you have experienced something, 
in your life that you know is so real that no matter what anybody else tries to say, it's not going to convince you otherwise because you have been, you have met with the risen Savior. It's like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and he gets knocked off and he experienced the living Christ in a way that, sh- that turned his world really right side up. Um, and so it's this strength for your life uh, to know the love of Christ that surpasses the intellect. It's to know it in your heart, in your soul. And then what happens? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I have two friends that uh, one has passed away and gone on to be with the Lord uh, quite a few years ago. And I knew this gentleman when I was a young, a young child. And he was a man who lived in the fullness of God. When you came into his presence, it was as if you were coming into the very presence of Christ. It was powerful. It was at times scary because it's like, oh my heavens, he can see right through me. He, he knows what questions to ask, and it's, it's spooky. I mean, it, it really is amazing when you get with someone who is completely full of the Lord. Um, and this is a man who, at the time, was a um, traveling evangelist. He, through his entire life, he did not have a salary. He was not wealthy. He lived week by week, uh, by love offering by love offering. And I know his children, who are grown adults today and have kids of their own. But the neat thing is about this gentleman is that he underwent excruciating suffering. He had sores. He had diseases. He had a special pillow he had to have with him all the time. Um, He looked beat up. He looked bad. But when you got with him, it was like you were really getting with Jesus because he was had the fullness of God. He, he was exemplifying this passage here. And then another friend of mine is a young lady who... In her 20s, she went to um, the D- Dominican on a mission trip to be a translator. And one of the last days while she was down there, she decided to, to walk across the border into Haiti. And when she did, she just knew immediately that God was calling her to Haiti. And as a result, um, this lady, she left everything. Um, she didn't have anything to begin with, but all the comforts of America she left behind. And she moved to Haiti. She bought a house that had no windows, no electricity, no running water. And she took in about five uh, abandoned children that were very young. She couldn't speak Creole or French. And 20 years later today, she is still in Haiti. And those five initial kids are going to college here in the U.S., and so, and she's done a, a remarkable job. But, but if she was here today, she would say, look, one me, it was Christ. And when you get with this lady, she bleeds scripture. She bleeds the love of the Lord. She is open to correction and rebuke and teaching and 
discipline. Why? Because she, she, a long time ago, you know, she left the pride, she laid it down, she knows what it means to live daily, sacrificially, dying to self. And some of the three biggest issues that uh, Dallas Willard um, speaks of um, that keeps our lives from living, uh, truly experiencing this fullness of God, the sufficiency of God, is faith, death to self, and agape love. And I'm assuming we all know that agape love is, the, is what it is, but it's, it's sacrificial love. It's what Christ has done on the cross. It is in Philippians when he said, I did, Christ did not consider equality with, with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. The Greek word there is kenosis. It's totally emptying out of all you are. And, you know, the Lord is calling us today to be empty of ourselves, uh, to be empty of our egos, uh, ego, edging God out. You know, that's what you have when you have an ego. God is out of the picture because you're all there. Um, so it, it's exciting if you have not experienced people in your life, like my friend Danita or the gentleman Manly, if you've not experienced people like that, that live in the fullness of God um, and truly experience the abundant life that's in Christ, it's, it's earth-shattering. I, you know, I, hope, I hope we become a church like that, that when we go out from here, we are the salt, we are the light, that people do see a major difference within us. Um, And the other point, uh, I have this thing on the gift of being weak. And I think weakness is such a vital thread to experiencing the fullness of God. Uh, because when we are filled with ourselves, you know, that's usually when pride comes in and arrogance and overconfident and everything else. And, and the Apostle Paul, you know, he makes the bold claim, when I am weak, then I am strong. And I want to say that the abundant life, um, to be being fully alive in Christ, is to be weak. It is, uh, but it's not to be weak and wallow in self-pity and to be being down. Um, but it's to understand that when we are weak, that's when W, we can ask for wisdom, uh, and we can rely not on our strength, but on Christ's strength. Not on our ways, but on the way of the Lord. Uh, wisdom, not of this age, but wisdom that is from God. And as it says in James, if anyone who lacks wisdom, ask, and it will be given. E. Um, e is energy. Relying upon God's power in Colossians 129, it says, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Same thing Paul is saying that he was saying to the uh, people, the church at Colossae, he's saying to those at Ephesus. When we are weak, we are called to abide. We are called to be still and know that he is God. We are called to rest in the Lord, 
to abide in his strength. To, and, and when we do that, okay, we can know his deliverance. We can know his provision. We can know his presence. And that is what we are called to do. We are called to know the Lord. And so often our prayers are, sadly enough, it's what we can get out of God versus just being with him and loving him, adoring him, and sitting at his feet as Mary would, rather than being busy with all the activities of Martha. So it is my hope and prayer As Paul says, that we would experience the power of his spirit in our inner being according to all the riches of God's glory, so that Christ would dwell fully in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in his love could mentally comprehend, grasp, ponder, meditate upon how rich and full the love of Christ is, the love of God is, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I think when we get to the place where we can be full of the fullness of God, we may not even know it. Most likely, we won't. But the people around us most likely will discern it. They'll see it. They will know a difference. And we will be a shining light, and we will be living an abundant life, even in times of weakness, in times of sorrow, in times of suffering, um, because we will be in God's will. So bow with me and let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for this church. I thank you for these people. I pray your hedge of protection around them. I pray that you would put a hedge of protection around Ben and Cynthia and all the other leaders and the families, that you would protect us from the evil one. Oh, Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would strengthen our hearts in our inner being, in our soul. That we, Lord, confess that we cannot do this life on our own. We cannot fake it till we make it. We cannot reduce the, the, the fruits of the Spirit to some construct of, of being able to model behavior. But rather, we need to abide in the vine uh, and where you, O oh Lord, cause the fruitfulness. We pray that we would have the mental strength to know your love, to meditate, to be still and know that you are God, to bask in bliss of the blessings that are in Christ, and to also have this experiential strength, this life strength of just knowing that you love us so much that we are filled, O oh God, with your very presence. Forgive us of our own egos, our own agendas, our own desires, and we pray that you would put in us a desire to live according to your way 
into your word. And Lord, when we go astray, I pray that you would quickly be the good shepherd that goes after us and calls us back into the fold. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.